The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. It's video games. The medium. Welcome all to the new episode of Video Games to the Medium with my friend Jens. Pas deux. Uh, it's been about a month since we tried. We did a Video Games to the Max, uh, and you'll note Sean isn't here uh, yeah. because he's enamored, obsessed, afraid of his new girlfriend, so me and Jens are here. <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun one, hearing Sean try a different angle on every news item that we covered like a week earlier. Yeah. Come back, Sean. <laughs> We'll see if that ever happens. Um, uh, the reason we're doing this is we've been playing, well, I've been playing a lot of new games. You've been playing one new game, and we want to talk about them. Yeah, you've, you've been playing that too. Though before we get into Warhammer Chaos Bane, I did want to talk to you about um, Days Gone, yep. which I think both of us were pretty positive on this in our very first video games to the medium, and um, I've since fallen off it completely. I think it wore me out. I beat it. I actually did play all the way through it. Uh, the story gets real dumb, as you would expect. Uh, some of the later game missions are a real pain in the ass to do also, which I really did not like. The impression that I got from everyone, and it's one of the reasons why I stopped, uh, because I was already, you know, like 15 hours in or so, I was getting kind of tired of it. Oh, yeah. I just saw so many friends of mine on Twitter talk about how, man, I'm like 30 hours in a day is gone, and like, is it over? And it's like, nah, I'm 40 hours in a day is gone, is it over? So, the game doesn't have an hour count, which is unfortunate, because I'd actually be curious to know how long I played it for. I would guess I played it at least 45 hours, which is too much of that damn game. <laughs> it's value for money, but I just don't think it uh, is compelling enough to uh, to stretch that long. Right. Like, I think I got to, like, Spider-Man and God of War in, like, maybe 30 hours, and those are, I mean, much better games, let's be honest. There are, like, four acts in that game. There should be three, and it's just insane how long that game is. Like And, like... They kept, it's like, okay, we have to do, at the end of it, the fourth act is like, okay, the military has turned bad, uh, let's go kill him, or, you know, let's go get him. And then it's like, oh, wait, here are ten more missions you have to do around the area again for you to, like, start the end game. And I was like, why? Just end, you know, just end it. <laughs> also, when you hit the second area, like the, like, the last, or the second big area, they introduce one new enemy, and that's it. And th- those are zombie birds. And it's like, uh, all right. That sounds bad. How how are they in practice? Yeah, they're annoying because you can't. They just attack you. You can't really see them that well. You have to destroy uh, like their bird nests to get you know, to get get rid of them or you know to clear them out like you do like the regular people nests. Uh, wow. But yeah, there's one new enemy and that's it. And it's like this. First of all, why don't you just introduce them in the first in like the first area or just get rid of them altogether? That'd be a better idea. Oh, the the annoying part though is like this uh at the end of the game you have to start destroying like zombie hordes and the first one you have pretty good materials or like you know you have enough materials and ingredients to like craft what you need to do it the second one you don't so yeah (laughs) i'm running around like an idiot trying to like you know just kill everything and 
And the first one, you can really, really cheese it, which is hilarious. It's in like a sawmill, and you can get on top of a building and go through a window, and you land on a piece of machinery that the zombies cannot get up to. So they're just, you know, running around where you are, and you're just like molotoving them to hell because you're you're above them, and they can never get to you. I actually took a video, and I'll show that to you later, because yeah, it's like a 10-minute video of just me, like, shooting these zombies, and the crowd eventually, like, whittling down, and, you know, finally going away. Yeah, that sounds like a thriller minute. Uh, why haven't you Why haven't you capitalized on this yet on social media? Uh, because everyone, everyone else is basically like, oh, yeah, for this one uh, horror, just... That's what that's what I did. I just watched a video of someone else doing it. So this is this is just uh this has been going around, this method. Oh yeah, because the hordes aren't fun. Like they're just really annoying. actually, so I don't mind cheesing it. And one of the hordes, like I was trying to like kill, but it wouldn't spawn. So I'm like, all right. Huh. I don't know about you, like your experience. That is like the buggiest big released game I've played in a while. I had some bugs for sure. I mean, uh, I definitely had some uh, uh, pathing break on me. I completed a quest, and the quest was like, I had to, I pick up an item, and it's like, okay, go t- go talk to this military guy to get your reward, and the guy broke, and the game was like, well, just respawn, I uh, just uh, rest for a few days, and hopefully it'll work, or like I had like this was earlier, but I had a quest, and I completed a quest, and it like nothing else popped up on the map, at all, like no voices, no voice work, or no mission objective, it's just like wait a wreck rest for a few days and hopefully it'll work and i'm like what kind of bs is this my gradual exit from days gone started with oh maybe i should wait for a patch before i pick it back up at some point and then ah, i'm just not gonna pick this back up well they kept patching it over and over like i mean it needed it yeah that sounds bad well i sent you a funny video i i took of like i went through a camp and the camp didn't spawn correctly so i was in the camp i hit a guy going like 10 miles per hour on my bike and I instantly died. Like the (laughs) physics jerked me back and I died. And I was like, what? You didn't even hit a tiny pebble or something. No, I hit a guy. Well, I I went through a guy. He spawned like right, right when I got in front of him. You just dead. Yeah. And that's what killed me. And you're not supposed to die in those, in those camps. So it's like, what, what happened? (laughs) There's always, sometimes you'll hit like a particular spot in the geometry or something in the game and it'll just insta kill you. That happened a few more times, actually, and it's like, yep, this is this is a quality <laughs> product. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't hate the game. I, I, I'm glad I finished it, I guess. But it is like a really good example of like a B tier game, and something you don't see often from like a first party developer or a first party, you know, Sony publishing a game. Because I mean, they, their first party output for a majority of the PS4 has been pretty good. I mean, most of it. Like the the same company that published, you know, God of War and Spider Man also put out, you know, this thing, <laughs> and it's like, well, one of these things is not not fit together. Well, yeah, in terms of polish, certainly you'd expect more, but game design wise, this game is, you know, so much like, oh, it's a little bit The Last of Us, it's a little bit every Ubisoft oh, yeah. game. I, in my, I haven't written my, I've written like half the review, only like a third actually, but I, I really compared it to like the first Assassin's Creed game. Or, like, it, it is analogous. I mean, it's... I remember back in the day when they had, like, the arguments about, like, uh, oh, Uncharted versus Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Because Uncharted is a very 
guided single player experience, like directed experience in Assassin's Creed is open world. Right, kind of like Last of Us and Days Gone, their relationship. Yeah, that, that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Because yeah, well, Last of Us is a very, I mean, they guide you through it completely. There's pretty much no open world, no open environment in that game. Yeah, it's a linear game. Uh, and they abruptly jump, which the, that was one of the things I didn't like about The Last of Us. Like, they jump between the seasons. It felt, like, really awkward to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this game, yeah, it's open world. But because of that, it's a lot more gnarly as a as a, as a a game than The Last of Us ever was. Right. Uh, that's, an, that's enough of my complaining about that game. <laughs> I may just, if I'm really bored, I may just treat it as a podcast game. Yeah, and just, that's what I did. Which is what, what I'm doing with Chaos Pain. Yeah. Um, another uh, deeply mediocre game. That we've been playing. I don't know. Well, it, well, Warhammer Chaos Bane. Uh, it's a Diablo-like game or action RPG. Uh, you seem down on it. I am not as much. Like I, that might be because we're playing different classes. Possibly. But yeah, you can talk about it since you don't like it as much. <laughs> well, I really. You may remember me being incredibly enthusiastic about it uh, when it, the the day I bought it. Yeah, I mean, I told. That I, mean, weekend. I basically told you to buy it on PS4, hoping we could play together, and then I got a PC copy. <laughs> yeah, well, I jumped the gun on that, but uh, I've been playing it solo, which is actually quite relaxing. Not that I don't enjoy playing co-op with you, but there's there's yeah. something relaxing about just playing something mindless by yourself, just passing the time and listening to music. So the the positive is that it feels really good. The dungeon crawling itself, the I, I like the um, the way you can map your controls. It's very very customizable. I mean, it's Diablo style, obviously, but everything about the interface is quite simple. The loot system is very clear. Like it's always extremely obvious what you should be equipping. The I'm playing the dwarf, who is like a berserker type class with a grapple that he can pull himself around with really fast which is a neat gameplay mechanic that, that feels immediately satisfying and is a great way to A, get around quickly, and B, get yourself out of a jam. Though um, also good for out of getting out of a jam is things like there's like a stampede or a rush kind of move. There is axe throwing. There is, uh, you know, your whirlwind. It's actually a lot of... Um, a lot of skills that remind me of Divinity 2, which I'm I'm still playing. And he just kind of zooms around the battlefield, cutting up everything, and it's fun. The only thing about it is that they only give you one health potion, basically. Like, it automatically refills over time. I mean, that's not different from Diablo 3, though. It exactly did that. You have to, you have to wait, like, 10 or 15 seconds for it to refill, yeah. Well, but ten, this is like a much longer refill in this game, though. I mean, it's like 20 seconds. It's not that this bad, is though. A, it's a serious refill. There's nothing else that you can, at least as my character, I don't know about the other characters. I haven't played the other classes. But there's like nothing you can really do. You're basically just stuck running around the battlefield kiting mobs until your health potion refills if you're not in a position to engage anybody. Um, you can't, you know, there's not like potions or anything that you can spam. You can't... Uh, you can't cheese it as well, which is a positive. I'm also playing the game. I'm playing the mage elf guy, and I have different abilities because my ability, I don't have the hook shot. I have, like, when I use the right thumbstick, it controls spells. Like, I can move them around, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I can throw out this, like, arcane orb thing, and then I can move it, like, I can basically move it wherever I want. So I can, like, steer it into enemies? Basically, over and over again. Ah. And then I also have an ability that whenever I use energy, it heals me, or it heals the party if I, if I wanted to. I don't actually have it unlocked, but 
I just don't, I don't have a party, so what do I care? I've not dealt with any. There's like a whole uh, skill branch on the god skill tree or whatever they call it that, that's just for co-op. And I'm just like, nope. There are two skill trees. Like one is for your character and then there's like one is like the god character, god skill tree, which isn't explained that well. But there are a lot it's of... It's a terrible skill tree. There are a lot of fun abilities that you can, or at least on the mage you can unlock. Like this like arcane storm lightning thing, which is really fun. Uh, but... See, you're hookshotting around and kiting enemies. What I am doing is I am kiting enemies. I am aggroing everything in a room, getting to a hallway, and then immediately turning around, and I have this dragon breath thing, this, like, cone thing that I can burn enemies down in, like, instantly. So, that's fun. (laughs) I basically, the way I'm playing the game, as long as I'm not getting completely mobbed, Especially so later in the game, I'm in I'm in chapter four. I'm about I'm level forty four. Uh, there are um, enemies. There those giant kind of blob like guys that are he- that are heavies and take a lot of damage and deal a lot of damage. They have a magic spell that just pulls you straight into them. Yep. So they will pull so, your character right into the middle of a mob. I mean, do you have a you, That's, you have a hook shot though? Can't you get out of that or no? The hook shot doesn't work great when you're mobbed in. At that point, you want to uh, use you want to use the rush move, which is really good for getting out of a mob. But that of course requires energy, which means that I'm always preserving energy so that I always have that move. Um, so I just end up kind of spamming the light attacks and then rushing around uh, the mobs in those situations. See, I have a, I mean, the right thumbstick is like the move tele- or the uh, spell move thing, but I actually just have like a teleport spell. So if I ever get mobbed, I can just like quickly get out of it. Oh yeah, uh, that seems good. And I, and also like when I upgraded it, it, like leaves fire trails and shit. So that's a lot of fun. Mm. <laughs> There's a jump that you can theoretically move to get used to get out of a mob, but sometimes it'll it's actually meant for jumping into a, a group of enemies, so it kind of auto targets you somewhat. So that can backfire. So this is funny. Uh, this is related to what you said about divinity for a little bit earlier. When I played a Divinity Original Sin, one of the characters had it basically, I think it was called like a Phoenix Jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the basic skills in Warfare, in the Warfare tree. And it's, it was completely broken in the first game because, like, there was like a house I had to get into and I, like, I couldn't break the lock or anything. So I, I accidentally just Phoenix jumped into the house, like, through the roof. Like, you're not supposed to do <laughs> that. And then I just unlocked the door. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's still some things like that in Divinity too. Even there, there's some uh, some systems that are a little uh, a little broken. But um, man, when when it all works in Confluence, it's amazing. Oh yeah. See, I have different problems than I guess you do about Chaos Bane. Uh, I really hate the bless system for like the weapons and you know gear you get. You can like up- it's not explained well at all. Yeah, it's like okay, you can dump gems into this into this gear. It's like okay, what do each what does each gem do? Or why can't, why can I only, there are like nine gem slots, I can only fill seven, and it's like, I have more of these triangle gems, why can't I put them in there? <laughs> the um, the loot part, the slot machine part that makes these games so addictive, that's what is not working for me. So earlier I praised the menu for the, it always being very, very clear what the loot is that you should be using. But it's also because there's basically only so many types of loot, and you just get it and you look at, you know, which one has the stats that are green. Yeah. And that's the one you pick. And you're just getting slightly upgraded versions of the weapons that you have, of the stuff you have from the start. And it's just like little stat increases. And it doesn't feel like, and I guess it matters in the grand scheme of things as far as your overall stats going up, but it doesn't, 
matter that much in terms of the gameplay. But then, of course, on the other hand, you've got this this skill system, which again, I think Diablo Diablo three did this also, right? Where you're not really you don't you don't you're not locking yourself into a particular skill tree. You're just unlocking more skill types that you can equip, and you've got like a total number of points that you can no, use no, to equip Diablo them. Diablo three didn't have points at all. It just unlocked skills kind of like as it went along and then you could equip the skills however you wanted like when you turned okay. on like one of them i think it was like elective mode or something like that yeah so it's like that with a threshold everything about the, the skills you're unlocking and their values and how much they cost and energy and how they work together feels really arbitrary and not well thought out so i assume it's like you gain energy you're a melee character, right? Primarily. Yeah, I'm a melee character, and I'm constantly bouncing between moves that generate rage and moves that use rage. That's a consequence of your class, because I'm a. I mean, I'm a mage. I have the energy system as well, but my main, you know, energy building uh, skill is ranged. So I can just sit back and cast like magic missile, get some energy back. I have a ranged one too, which is the axe throw. Okay. So so I'm just spamming like again. 90, this just means that ninety percent of the time I'm spamming the axe throw. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's like most. That's Diablo <laughs> three also. I guess I I I don't know. Uh, I mean Diablo three did have a like one of the like it it had different class types, but it's basically all the same type of thing. My problem with the game, I this is kind of a negative. I the environments are too are very bland. And they they look very pretty, but they're empty. They just have enemies in them. There's nothing interesting to explore or unique. I like the tile sets, but you're right. It's just the tile yeah. sets. And they, they don't change at all. Like, the third act is, is like in this, like, wintry area. And it can always, if you always go up, you can find two treasure chests. And I always just did that because it's like, yeah, nothing changes, so... Fourth act's got some stone temples with, uh, with uh, colored lighting. Yeah, and the demon realm or whatever. Yeah, they look good. Yeah, but again, nothing changes. Or, I mean, you just keep going back to these maps over and over again. And I think, like, Diablo 3 or even, like, Torchlight 2 had a lot more variety when it came to tile sets or just, like, locations. I'm, like, close to the end now from, from what I... I think I'm, like, either either I'm at near the boss or I'm one act away from the final boss. I'm not sure. That's one thing I actually will praise, though. I like the fi- the boss encounters of this game quite a bit. The boss encounters are all right. They do some interesting stuff, like um, the last boss that I fought had, uh, you know, he had like the phase where he goes and heals himself and he's got a bunch of portals around him that he's got to destroy. And he's got the phase where he basically turns into a shmup where you have to navigate, you know, around uh, slow energy balls that he's firing at you in a pattern. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it keeps you on your toes. It, it forces you to stay uh, mobile, which is again contributes to the the general good feel of it. Well, like the first main boss is like this like unclean one, I think, and it's like this big fat thing shooting lasers out of its out of its uh, stomach, and then it can also like poison you. Uh, so you have to like hide between hide like behind like pillars in the room to not get poisoned. I just think a lot of the spell, a lot of the abilities are dumb. You know, like there are abilities that cost you health. But there are no abilities that really refill your health as a dwarf. I think my character is a little more mobile than yours, it sounds like. So that's probably why I'm not hating it quite as much. <laughs> I'm not hating it. I mean, I'm kind of using the same abilities I got when I was like level 10. So and I'm like level 39 now. It's such an insubstantial difference. It's not like the loot makes big, um, has a big effect. It's not like suddenly you can do lightning damage. 
or suddenly you can do, you know, you're, you're regaining health because it's a blood-sucking axe or something. Like, those, the, the, the weapons themselves don't seem to have those kinds of cool abilities. They've just got stat abilities. See, I'm kind of curious. Well, there are weapon, or at least for my character, there are, like, item sets that you can, like, unlock. Or, like, that, like, if you get five of this item, or five of these types of items, it does something good. Uh, hmm. But I've yet to get a legendary item. I don't know about you. I've just gotten like you know blues and yellows, so I'm I'm curious like if I actually just have something unique for that. Yeah, yellow is all I've I've gotten so far. And there is a game, there is like a legendary prefix or a character or you know whatever. So maybe they're saving it for the extreme late game. But how much of an extreme late game? I I, I went on uh, How Long to Beat, which is a pretty good website if you want to just figure out how long a game is. And uh, it seems like people are logging this at like 14 hours. Yeah, that's about right for these types of games. I mean. It seems short for a dungeon crawler, but then on the other hand, I'm getting tired of it, so I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for it to be over, so I'm not complaining. I mean, if, you if also it, didn't like it's... Victor Vran that much either. <laughs> no, Victor Vran was bad. Uh, you wouldn't like Van Helsing, and I mean, I don't know if they'll like mm. Torchlight 2 or not, but it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I like Torchlight, I expect I will like Torchlight 2. I like them when they're good, these kinds of games. Like I said, I don't think this is the greatest game, but and and like do you, they aren't making no, they good, aren't making these games anymore. It, so or you know it feels nice. It's a time killer. I agree. My my only my biggest problem is I I don't care about Warhammer that much. If it was Warhammer 40k, I'd probably be a little more interested. Or if it had it had, if it had better a better story, like then I might care. Yeah, I mean the Warhammer license is partly why I'm here. I I mean obviously I care more about well it's not obvious but I care more about 40k than about traditional Warhammer but I still care about traditional Warhammer just because there's a nostalgia factor. But even that like there's very little Warhammer shit in this game. That's true. It just feels like a generic. It could it could be anything. Like, I mean there's no I don't I get to run across an orc. <laughs> but bum me out uh, from the start was that there was no character creator. I mean I get that they're trying to tell a story that they're making you play a specific character because they're trying to tell a story but I don't think it would have been that hard to adapt to say, let me make a lady dwarf or whatever. Also, I wish uh, the game told told you what enemies, like the names of the enemies. <laughs> the one is the little text box sitting over every one of them. Well, at the top of like Diablo three had that at the top of the screen, yeah. Oh, for the big ones yeah. at least. Yeah. Eh, I, I mean, that's care. minor, but something I just like. Or right, let's give you the option. Okay, sure. Yeah, as a toggle on off. Yeah. I'm fine with it the way it is. It doesn't. I don't miss it. I, I don't need to know that a guy's named you know Lothrorex or whatever. Yeah. Anthrax. The scariest of all demons. <laughs> uh, so have you been playing anything else? Or I've been playing a ton. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to tell me about everything. I, I'm One reason why I'm making you record this podcast is because I want to hear about Judgment. Because I'm a Yakuza fan, and you're a Yakuza fan, and uh, I know that's that, that game is high on our list of most anticipated this year. So Yeah, uh, the other game, well, I'll briefly touch on the other games I'm playing. Uh, I got into Tetris 99. Uh, I've yet to beat it. Okay, <laughs> and it just irritates. Wait, how can you how can you beat Tetris Ninety Nine by getting number one? Oh, so you you won one game of Tetris? No, 99. no, I haven't. I've gotten to number two, but that's it. And then I get crushed. Oh, you haven't beat right. it yet. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Uh, I will beat it. I will beat it eventually. <laughs> um, I picked up New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. Yeah, that was on sale, right? Yeah, it's all right. You know, it's not the deepest game, but. As a 2D Mario game, it's it's passable. That's totally how I felt about it as well. It's another Mario. I like those. I'll play one of those. Uh, and the other thing I'll get into before Judgment is I'm, play I'm trying to play 
Altair Laluna, Lalula, I don't know how, what the fuck it's called. This is one, one, one of the Atelier games? Yeah. I am trying to get into this game, but I, it's hard. Well, it's, the game isn't hard. It's just, I don't care about what's happening at all. <laughs> Let me look at how this is, how this is spelled. Atelier Lu... Lula. Lulua. Yeah. Atelier Lulua. Uh, uh, yeah, so is, is it set in Hawaii or something? No, I think that's the name of your main character. Oh, well, that's a good Lulua. Yeah. Like, the RPG mechanics are pretty simple, at least so far. Uh, but the story is just... I do, just don't care. And for an RPG game, like, if the battle system isn't, like, amazing, and the story isn't good, then... That's that's a problem. <laughs> how does this how does this connect with the uh, I have no idea. Atelier? I have no idea. Is Verona the original? Verona was on the PS. No, Verona was on the PS3. You are asking me stuff I do not know and do not care about. <laughs> Holy shit! There are a lot of these. Yeah, I know. That's been around since the PS1, I think. Atelier Esha and Logi. Atelier Ayesha. You can you can stop. Atelier Arland. Uh, Ooh, Atelier Online. Like, there, there's a, a crafting system, or like an alchemy system, that isn't, ex- like, they explain it, but it's not explained that well. It's a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me about the story. Why is the story not engaging? Because the main character is just kind of a, like a ditz. Uh, she's like, you know, the daughter of like a famous alchemist, and then... Right, she has to step in his footsteps. Her. To take take it, up the store. It, it's very female Her footsteps. also. Which, well, I, mean, well, I mean, it's an Atelier game. I'm not, I'm not going to criticize it for that. Like, that's been good, I guess. But if I just can't connect with the main character at all. Uh, and then she just asks, like, there's like a dingbat for most of the game. Man, <laughs> I'll be on like, I mean, that's like the characters, the character design. I always like the aesthetic of those games. That's what always attracts me most. And the gameplay is what's not... The gameplay mechanics, I, I just know immediately like, okay, I'm not going to want to spend however many hours this is going to take with this gameplay system yeah. so it doesn't it doesn't matter how cute the girls are but you well, know I, that i mean i don't care yeah. about that if anything I, I, <laughs> that, that's a different like you like it when they're like overproduced and you know ornate and overly complicated and it's like this is all dumb to me <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm not looking to get figures made of these characters <laughs> see i you know i'll go on me and me and see like man this is a you know amazingly detailed you know atelier sophie statue sitting on her on her books with her you know casting a little spell in her hand lazily but uh my my also like this the battle system is just very bland and like this kind of like eh it's turn-based, but there's nothing like interesting or unique about it that I've seen so far. Like I'm not that far in the game either, so maybe it changes radically like halfway through or something. But is it the traditional atelier combat system that we know? And uh, again, outrage? I've never played one of these games, so <laughs> so it's just basically uh, turn like um, old JRPG yeah, turn-based. Turn there yeah. is a group. There is a group of people on one side, a group of people on another side. And you're you're exchanging you're exchanging spells and round attacks and, sp- and whatnot. Yeah, gotcha. So, yeah, that's about it for me. Uh, I guess. And is, about- is it how how is the um, the rock paper scissors in it? There isn't any. There's no rock paper scissors. Kind of uh, this is strong against this. This is weak against that. Not that I've seen. Okay, it's just the mo- it's bare bones. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I guess. 
Mm. Like, I, I just not, it just isn't grabbing me at all. Like, that's the biggest problem. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those games aren't for everyone. Uh, but, but they have yeah. their fans. Uh, Judgment, uh, I got that last night. Yes. Uh, Here we go. I played it for six hours until like 5 a.m. and then I went to bed. All right. I'm not going to talk about the story at all because that's kind of like the spoiler part. Yeah. Tell uh, me about it, how it's different from or similar to Yakuza. So it's very much, it's kind of similar to like Yakuza 0 because your main character has two, well, he only has two fighting styles. Uh, one is for groups and one is for like single enemies. And it's mm-hmm. basically like, the the groups one is like very quick and agile and the you know the uh enemy one is like very slow and like you know the bear style or whatever from Yakuza Zero. Uh so you can run up walls and like launch yourself off them, which is kinda of funny. Uh that's about that's 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 about it. <laughs> like In terms of differences, yeah. Yeah, like huh. the, the fighting is very similar. I mean you could easily like replace the main guy with like cure you and it would look exactly the same to me even like the heat they don't call them heat actions they call them ex actions but it's like okay i I know what this is right yeah and even some even some of them look very similar like the bike smashing one i was expecting something more akin to how akiyama plays in four and five i had no idea <laughs> okay i mean you're still in kamaruto uh it's not it's like very slightly changed but like the actual layout's the same you know just different buildings and stuff uh there's no so there's no karaoke uh they've kind of reduced some of the mini games but it's like there are different ones in there so that's kind of fun like there's like a really interesting uh house of the dead style game i think it's like called the like camaracho of the dead <laughs> uh what else yeah, I like the like. I actually like the character quite a bit. Like he's a lot more interesting than Kiryu ever was. I think. Well, <laughs> I've always been very attached to Kiryu, but it, I'm I'm happy that they're. I mean, uh, he, he's very he's like a lot more introspective and a lot more talkative. They, and they just kind of covered every angle of Kiryu that they could cover. So, and six was such a good send off that I'm happy they're moving on to telling uh, um, new stories. Yeah. So they changed the experience system and the uh, health or the restaurant system. Yeah. So uh, instead of I didn't like when they I think it was Yakuza Kiwami one they had that fi- stupid five tiered experience system like the colored you know red blue pink green yellow thing. Yes, they introduced that actually with the Japanese one um, Ishin. See, I really didn't like that. Because you would, it would it would create like really weird imbalances where it's like okay I fight a lot so I have two thousand red points but I have no real good way to get the gold point the, the orange points I need to get this one skill uh, so this is a pain yeah I see uh, and and this one they they get they basically get it's just a flat like SP system you know skill point system or right. whatever uh, which is fine. I mean, I think that it's not quite. I still like the Yakuza Kiwami one or Yakuza Zero one, where it's like you pay to unlock. Stuff. Oh, I hate that. You, I know you didn't like oh, that. But absolutely, I did. could not stand. I don't like money and experience being the same thing in a Yakuza game. I my favorite leveling systems were the leveling systems in the original three, like one, Yakuza one through three, kind of uh, um, had a good evolution uh, in the way the leveling system worked, and then they. Um, 
uh, took it in weird new directions. Well, really, what happened is after four, uh, um, after they had uh, you know multiple characters, then when they went back to um, having just one character, it was like screw it, just give them all the you know people love the the we've you know we made the slow fighting system, we made the light and agile fighting system. Let's just give them all to Kiryu. Uh, and that, to me, kind of, it ruins Yakuza to me because it's like it now makes Kiryu just this, and he was always kind of an immortal powerhouse, but now he can literally do every style. I, I, I like a more focused character, so I'm hoping that it'll be, you know, Fist of the North Star had a really good uh, um, combat system. So I'm, I'm hoping for something along those lines. Yeah. Uh well, But you're, li- you're liking it. You're, so yeah. you're thinking it's a, it's a, so tell me, so the... <laughs> You barely talked. You brought up the restaurant thing, and then you didn't talk about the restaurant thing. Well, that's that's the thing is I don't in like Yakuza Six and I think Kawami Two, uh, you could eat at restaurants and you had like a stomach meter, and like over the game or you know over when you were playing it would go down. You would get hungry and want to go eat at a restaurant. In this game, you can only eat at a restaurant when your health is down. So that so that is like old Yakuza, that, just so you know, like the the early ones. Uh, that is but how you know they what? worked. That's a dumb system. <laughs> I don't care if it's like the old games because they got they got away from that. <laughs> they evolved. I know. I remember you. I and, remember wasting my time. You know, <laughs> basically just getting to random street fights to get hit a little bit so I could go back and eat. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm doing now. And it's like <laughs> the dumbest. That's the dumbest thing. The return of classic Yakuza. It's like why? Why would you design it this way? Like I should just be able to eat whenever I want or. At least have a vague idea of you, you know because I think time time passes in the game. You know why why you do dumb shit like this to make people like me feel nostalgic? I'm like it's just like the old ones. All all six <laughs> fans of the original games. Yeah, it is stupid. I agree with you. What else? Yeah, like what do you want to know? I, I I think the characters are really good so far. I guess what I'm wondering is whether any of the investigative investigative stuff that's part of the story in any way figures into the gameplay. Kind of, oh yes. Investigations are a big part. Like I had to break into this building last night. Uh So that's a big difference from Yakuza, right? I mean there's there's got to be new gameplay mechanics around that. Well, I mean the first like the biggest thing is you have a drone. I I just unlocked that like last night kind of. Okay. Uh so like, you know, you know, fly around. There's like a drone racing thing too. Which I know is going to be terrible, so that'll be great. <laughs> like, remember, remember po- you know, pocket car racing? Like, yeah. how much you love that? Well, but you don't actually control pocket car racing. You just fiddle with the, you just fiddle with the conditions and let it run. And I don't, I don't know, man. I got, I got news for you. Okay, <laughs> got, is that what this is? I imagine it's going to be. Let's say that because there's a whole bunch of like, you know, drone parts you can buy and stuff like that. Um, so like, I had to break into a building and then it turned into like a first person. I got, like, first-person mode, and I had to, like, find the building blueprints, find the light switch, you know, find the safe key, safe combination, and there's, like, three of them, you know, stuff like that. And that was, like, the whole investigation thing. Uh, the only... Oh, it, the game opens like this. There's, like, a small... Uh, your character is a lawyer, and he got a guy off. Uh, like, he made find him innocent in the courtroom, and... The guy, like, that night, like, killed his girlfriend and, like, burned the house down. So that's, like, the world chat. Like, your character then becomes, like, the private eye because he can't deal with the guilt. So is the investigating more like, say, in L.A. Noir, where you're just walking around environments hitting exit things and, and picking up clues? Or is it, 
Like how 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 Phoenix how Phoenix Wright are we going with this? It's not as bad as L.A. Noir. It's bad. <laughs> Couldn't like that at all. Okay, and, and uh, I think L.A. Noir is a pretty good adventure game, but it's I just already can imagine the Yakuza version of that, and it's not really what I want. Uh, I think it well, it's not as because L.A. Noir like you could just kind of finish whenever you wanted, which I thought was like really awkward. In this game like you have you actually have to find stuff, you have to find everything, but also like it's like you're just looking at a screen. And like you're like I unlock a skill like my controller vibrates when I find something of notice. So it's like okay, just move the move the cursor around until my controller vibrates, and then you know press X. The thing also is I haven't unlocked any of the side investigations or anything, and it's just been about like I'm trying to get this accuser boss off of murder like murder. Mm. He was you know, so I haven't done it. Like there's not the side stuff is like it's a I mean it's like accuser like the side stuff opens up gradually. That's an interesting beast story. Well, he also he he's dressed almost like Kiryu, which is pretty funny. Okay. Like, like a, he has a different undershirt, but he has like the same white white suit. And I think it was a guy. I think it was the actor who got busted for drugs in Japan. Oh, is that the guy who they had to recast? Yeah. Oh yes, man. There were so many good. There were so many good Frozen memes around that. Yeah. Because he was also Olaf in Japan. Okay. Can't think of his name now. And that story was such. Did we talk about that story on Video Games to the Max episode one? No, uh, I don't. No, I don't no. Think I think so. it was before before my time. What a ridiculous uh, thing in Japan. Their their attitude towards drugs. He's like, he's canceled because he did some cocaine. You are a fan of drugs, and <laughs> I don't think most people aren't. So, and it's also a different cultural thing. So, man. I just don't. I don't I mean, get. I don't, it. I don't get why they sell underwear and vending machines. But <laughs> that's the most. That's the most alienated I've felt from Japanese culture in forever, as someone who loves Japanese culture normally, uh, or at least pop culture. I, the gameplay, you know, it's. I mean, yeah, it's ninety nine percent like similar to Yakuza. Investigation stuff is interesting, but I just haven't gotten a ton of it yet. Uh, and I, I started getting like I just unlocked like the. They don't call it subsystem, they call it like the substory, they call it like the friend system. I'm really curious so, how elaborate they're going to get into things like uh, interrogations and stuff, like what kind of mechanics there are around that. I actually don't think, well, I mean, there are some, I've gotten a few dialogue, like dialogue trees, mm-hmm. which is completely different from Yakuza, I think, where it's like, okay, you have, you have to, you have to ask questions and you get bonuses for asking good questions. <laughs> So I think the game the game t- does take itself a little more seriously than okay. it did. But it still sounds like it's treating it a little bit like a mini game where you're where you're aiming for a perfect score. Yeah. And I don't think there I don't think there are any like nude or like quasi nude videos or anything in this game. Okay. <laughs> Although there is like a girlfriend system, but I haven't unlocked I haven't unlocked it yet. There are things for you to find in this game, like I think skill books and records, but I've yet to I. Find, like I started just buying records because I couldn't find any. Like I don't know how elaborate this stuff is, and there is like the cat mini game again from six. Yeah, every Yakuza has had their collectibles. Yeah, uh, and there is. I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, I don't know why they keep fucking putting these in there, but there is a mahjong game pack <laughs> and shogi. That's like, oh man, people would complain if they weren't there. You know, as much as I'm not, I'm a little frustrated because I'm never going to get the trophies for that stuff. Like all those side. I love Yakuza for the main story and for the combat. Uh, some of the mini games I enjoy. A lot of the mini games I do not enjoy. So um, I'm just never going to 100% those games, even though they're one of my favorite game series. Well, hey, man, just get into Mahjong. You'll be all right. Nah, I'm not going <laughs> to learn Mahjong, man. 
But yeah, if it wasn't there, remember when uh, Yakuza 3 originally came out and they took out the nightclub stuff and some of the minigames and people were super upset? No. Well, people were super upset. <laughs> back, back then, uh, uh, Sega was not as respectful, I think, of Yakuza as uh, when they were bringing it over. The local Now, of course, it's the best localized series out there. Also, I haven't tried the voice acting, but I'm, I still have to try that at some point, like the American... I, I actually ask you at the start, like, you want to play with English or Japanese? I'm like, that's nice. Yeah, Japanese. Let's let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm I played Fist of the North Star in English briefly, and I was like, I can't do this. I need to hear I need to hear real Kiryu as oh. uh, as uh, uh, Ken. I'll be curious. I don't know if he pops up in this game or not. It'd be interesting if he did, but we'll see. Yeah, I like it so far. Six hours. The six hours I've played. <laughs> that's one of my most anticipated games this year for sure. So. I'm I'm happy to hear that it's good. Yeah, I think I wrote a column a few weeks ago about like the games I've been looking forward to, like well, looking forward to for the rest of the year, and that was like one of them for sure. What, what else do you have for me, game playing wise? What do you mean? <laughs> uh, how about um, Soul Calibur? Do you play more Soul Calibur since we co- since we uh, since you beat me a bunch? No, I mean we we beat like I think I might may have had like one round over you or like one you know match or something, but. Yeah, we we both got that, or you got it for me, just to try because it, it was twenty bucks like a month ago or whatever. It has some of the jankiest online I've seen in a while. Uh that's unfortunate. Yeah, it was <laughs> it, it was bad. I uh, I definitely felt um, like uh, sometimes you would just your character would just stand there. Yeah, it was like frame skipping all over the place and like being like super herky jerky. Right, you would you would go from you'd go from standing there frozen for like a second to then suddenly being mid air and having murdered me. Yeah, and it's like what what happened? Or like you know, isn't this kind like isn't this kind of a an expectation at this point? Like I can't imagine like Mortal Kombat 11 would have that, or people if it did, people would probably be outraged. Yeah, I've been mashing my way through the campaign a little bit. I do, you were right. I like the character creator. Character creator is yeah, really good. <laughs> Especially once you bought that uh, 2B crap or the Nier Automata stuff. I did buy all the Nier Automata DLC. And I'm that guy. You prefer or you like character creator stuff. I I don't. Or it's just like I I create the default character or I may add like a t-shirt or something. That's about it. Like I, it drives me, I just don't care. <laughs> it drives me nuts when I watch Let's Plays where people just, just like pick the default character. Or <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine when you played Mass Effect, you created your own character or something. Oh yeah, no, and I—I I was one of my biggest beefs with Mass Effect Three was not the the fact that um, Casey Hudson screwed up the story, but the fact that uh, they changed the graphics engine just enough to where my um, custom character, like I couldn't make her look quite right anymore. Yeah, I played the default male character all the way through that game or franchise. It's like, meh, whatever. Boring. Yeah, but at least my character didn't change in the third one. <laughs> uh, similarly, I remember being upset that the character creator got worse from uh, Rock Band 2 to Rock Band 3. I didn't even know <laughs> Rock Band 3 or 2 had that. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, well, we've been talking for an hour. Let's get into the news now. Yeah, News! Some of this stuff is a bit old, so I'm not going to touch on it too much. So, should uh, we actually should we save some of this news for Sean, or should we just get into um, yeah let's the stuff we it, actually because... care about? No, let's let's talk about most of it because he'll never do this again. So, okay, <laughs> his girlfriend his girlfriend won't let him. <laughs> uh, so they announced uh, for next year they're doing Black Ops Five, which I I don't care about that much. 
Oh, they killed uh, the franchise. Black Ops 2 was the last good one. No. Advanced Warfare was good. Infinite Warfare was fine. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just talking about the blobs. I'm just... I, I'm, oh, okay. I, I'm not... I don't mean... Uh, no, actually, Advanced Warfare, the Kevin Spacey one, Advanced Warfare was really good. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Black Ops 3 had Christopher Maloney, and that was fun. <laughs> but they announced for this year, Modern Warfare. The gritty reboot. Yeah, is dumb. <laughs> they they are taking the EA level of naming shit to you know, because EA and the 360 had two different most wanted's Need for Speed most wanted's, and it's like what happened? <laughs> like you couldn't you couldn't think of something else, or you know, I know why they're calling it Modern Warfare because that name has some recognition still, or it's not tarnished quite like Call of Duty is. So they've already uh, re-released um, the original Modern Warfare in a nice remaster. So this, is a com- so this is a completely different story. This is not a remake. Right, but it looks like it still had Captain Price in it, or at least some Captain Price-looking dude. Let's say that. So is it alternate universe? Is it the Kelvin timeline of Call of Duty? I don't know. It'll probably just be like alternate, yeah, probably like alternate events or something with a lot more lens flare. I don't know. I am excited just because I actually do like Call of Duty single player experiences. Like the stories are, I mean, you can, they vary quality, but I just still like playing them. That's why I didn't give a shit about Modern Warfare 4 or uh, Black Ops 4, I should say, sorry, because I didn't have one. I think, well, they're really trying to crank out Call of Duties now. That's the unfortunate problem. Yeah. Uh, I've heard Black Ops 4 is a huge mess right now because of all their monetization stuff. Loot boxes. Uh, um, yeah, among other things, like it's not like paid. Like you cannot like get better weapons in like loot boxes, which is like destroying the balance of the game. And it's like, uh, don't do that. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Activision is like in- increasingly desperate. Like I saw a con- I saw a news thing a few days ago about how they are trying to make Crash Bandicoot and Spyro like triple-A franchises? And no. <laughs> <laughs> I think even... Like the re- can Sonic the re- still manage a, a proper triple-A release? No. But they had—they never could. That Spyro remaster probably sold well. That's the thing. Crash remastered and Spyro remastered sold well because of nostalgia. They were just remaking old, good games. I have no capa- I have no faith in them to make a new good game. Mm-hmm. You want, don't want to get the ukulele team on it? Yeah, that'll work well. They're making a side scroller, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, and I know that Crash Team Racing remake will do well, but again, it's just a old, you know, game with a fresh coat of paint. So of course. But I don't think people care about Crash Bandicoot or Spyro at all anymore, except mm. for people thirty years and older who actually know what those characters are. <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> with Call of Duty. We'll see if Treyarch can pull it out in uh, in two years or however long. They've, they've only got two years to make it. Yeah. Well, they used to be in the three-year schedule, and now they're on the two-year schedule. So it's like, all right. Yeah, exactly. There's, Good luck. They're supplanting <laughs> Sledgehammer on it. Well, that's because like, the main Sledgehammer guys left, and they took like most of the, most of the uh, crew with them, apparently, or the one guy did. <laughs> yeah. Sledgehammer really... and that, Yeah, that studio has just been kind of bleeding people since the beginning, but I guess more since recently. Well, they, I guess Sledgehammer originally was, like, created to, like, they were going to do, like, a third-person Call of Duty game. And, like, they were going to, like, actually make new games instead of just being, 
you know, a Call of Duty's bitch. Exactly. That's why. You know, you have basically what was the Dead Space team, the great team, put on making a third-person Call of Duty, which seemed very exciting. And I can imagine that they were very excited uh, to make. And then as soon as I got canceled, that's when, you know, that's when you start looking for a new job with, uh, you know, projects that you care about. Well, it's this isn't in the news because you didn't update it, but it's very analogous to what happened with uh, StarCraft a few days ago, or I think yesterday. Tell me about it. When they were working on a unannounced StarCraft first-person shooter. It got for like two years. Ghost 2? Another one? Well, Ghost was a third-person game. This is supposed to be first-person, which I would have been great. Like, that, I would have played that, or I would have bought it if it was good. Uh, but they canceled it to work on, for, you know, to get more people working on Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2. And I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want, I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in them to make Diablo 4 right now. Or ever, but really. I don't. Th- I don't think Blizzard has to worry as much about um, retention. No, no, they do. Like they've been, they've been bleeding people. Oh yeah, because because morale at that at that company right now is super low. Huh. Because uh, the guy running it, or one of the guys running it, all he cares about, like, well, is this is like the, about the esports thing? But the guy running esports right now is like a Fox News guy, or he like worked at Fox News, uh-huh. or not not Fox News, sorry, Fox Sports. Well, wow, that's quite or, different. But uh, all he cares about is making money, and not about like, creating a good oh. esports program. What kind of what kind of decisions is he? What detrimental decisions is he making? Uh, well, I mean, I think they killed off. Uh, what was it? That Heroes of the Storm game? Like that was like a, six months ago or whatever. But I think that was he was partially involved in that. Killed it? Like we don't we we're not going to do any kind of programming on it anymore, or we're killing the servers, or what? No, no, uh, no, no programming. I think they're still. Uh, supporting the game like with like patches and stuff, but they're not making anything new for it. It's it's gone. Hmm. Oh, another well, another thing they're doing is like they are uh, Blizzard is like giving their partners esports teams for like Overwatch, which is kind of a uh, conflict of interest. <laughs> uh like yeah, but Blizzard is like really bleeding people over the like. It's not a surprise. You know, so, and also their whole pivot to mobile in China is not going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not going to be great for us, but uh, for a company trying to make money, I could see it uh, being a good investment. Maybe, well, I mean, maybe, but we'll see because there's a ton of competition you have to imagine, right? Like, you know, for that stuff. Like, how. I, how many different types of action RPGs do you think there are on like mobile right now? There's probably like a, a million. But you know what? Blizzard has been a non-entity to me, except for you know occasionally when they you know they release a game that I care about like every decade. So whatever. Well, also the the biggest problem right now also with that well with Blizzard and Activision is they have nothing for this year. They, have, they have nothing for generally for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, even less so. Like. At least last year they had like a like a wild expansion. Diablo three is the last thing I cared about. I mean, and even that, Overwatch, I, yeah. Overwatch is fine. Eh? I mean, it's just a TF two clone, but I mean, it's very, it's playable, but they can't monetize that, or they. I mean, it's hard to do that. Uh, Hearthstone is like bleeding. It's doing horrible right now because there's only so much you can do with that. You can't like, and it, it's just too many cards. Like they. Like they basically matched it up too much. 
Uh, and yeah, they have like WoW or Warcraft three class or remastered and WoW Classic this year, but I don't think those are gonna be like huge sellers. <laughs> Bring back Tony Hawk. Would you play? Would you play WoW Classic? No, I I won't. I know a lot of people will though. Yeah, I know like a lot of the WoW communities are excited for it. Right, but but this is like the only way that I would be excited to get into WoW is if we if you and I played WoW Classic together. Why? Well, just because uh, I don't think I've ever experienced WoW in its most classic form. Well, it's different. I mean, I mean, it's not gameplay wise. It's pretty similar, but it's been like the it's a lot slower. Oh, like if you want to if you want to get into WoW now, I could just reroll a character to be fine. No, I don't want to get into current WoW. But what's like what's the difference? Like <laughs> accuracy, it, historical accuracy. But this isn't. I mean, they are even. I think they even are changing parts of WoW Classic. So, huh. well, and, and it's in not, that case, it's what's not the like, just, just don't they? Aren't they running like a, a totally um, original version of WoW currently? Like as a, isn't that a, a fan-run thing at the moment? No, no. Well, I mean, there are private servers that do that. Do that but, sure. Uh, like no, this is this is Blizzard's attempt to like get get in on that money. Huh. Okay. But switching gears uh, to a different, hopefully better news story. Yep. Uh, John Vignaki left Gearbox. Hurrah for Johnny V. Yep, he left Gearbox for Nintendo, which is a major step up. <laughs> of used to play Star Wars uh, um, The Old Republic with me fame, that Johnny V. I played uh, Forza Horizon with him, the first one. He's such a nice guy. Well, that was a really weird... I mean, yeah, he... I mean, yeah, he, I consider him a friend. He's a good guy. But that was a really weird time, because that was, like, right when Ryan died. Oh, uh, yeah. And he did not, like... He didn't tell me... But he he basically said like, I have like I have big news I can't share it, but this is like really depressing. Uh. <laughs> and then like I think it was like three or four days later like the Ryan story broke, <sighs> uh, and it's like oh so terrible that explains that. <laughs> Sorry, man. Now I'm depressed. Well, uh, I'll get this ship right back on going. Uh, Johnny V will be uh, his role. I'm going to quote directly. Uh, driving developer and publisher relations for North America so that Nintendo can continue to bring amazing content to all fans. <laughs> End quote. So he'll be, you know, trying to get people on Nintendo shit. Building memories <laughs> that will last a lifetime. See, I hope, I mean, I know, well, I, he's like a step below him. I know, like, Doug Bowser took over Nintendo in a way. <laughs> yep. But I hope, John, I hope Johnny V is the new pitch man. That, that's that's the dream. See, see him being a pitchman now. Now I remember. By the way, him being a pitchman is so perfect because I just remember him as uh, Tony Curtis in Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter, where he plays a, a marketing executive, and he looks so much like Johnny V, especially in, on the poster art. It's it's uncanny. And when did the movie come out? I'm I'm guessing it's like the late 60s hold on actually no 1957 so once again a timely reference for all all the people going to be listening to this podcast (laughs) yes i am i am picturing johnny v as a muppet along with the other two guys like that star fox skit they did a few years ago which will be great or i'm picturing him fighting a wada or a not a wada i mean it's hard to do that i guess now also but whoever took over nintendo officially (laughs) That's the ideal place for him, definitely, Nintendo. It makes too much sense. It was funny also, because I think when he left Gearbox, he's like, 
his statement was like, oh, I'm working for a company that I've wanted to work for since I was eight years old or something. And it's like, I was thinking like, I think I, I guess Nintendo, because like, well, how many companies, like Johnny V is like, in maybe early 40s or at least like late 30s. It's like, how many companies, game companies existed when he was a kid? Like it'd be Nintendo, Atari, and maybe Activision. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> but I'm excited. I, I'm also excited because now I can continue to make fun of Gearbox <laughs> fully without without feeling guilty for him working there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, um, him working at Gearbox was a dark time for me. Or it is kind of like when I was working at, and I just felt dirty. It's yeah. like, why am I working for this company? What am I doing with my life? Right. <laughs> so yeah, I I wish him well. Hopefully, he can send me that stupid Mario Maker Two stylus because that'd be really nice. <laughs> that'd be good. Uh. And yeah, I that's that's good for him. Shall we move on? Uh, let's see. Xbox Game Pass is coming to PC officially. My take on it is my PC is a decade old. Um, I do not use Xbox Game Pass. I think my I guess my take is it's a neat idea, but I think game like PC, uh, like that PC players are different from console ones, and they have different expectations. Like, I don't know if it'll work or not. It might, depending on the price. You know... uh, It's a cool idea, a game subscription service. Uh, I mean, as long as you're downloading it, it makes a lot more sense than than a lot of these services which are built around streaming. You mean like Google? (laughs) Yeah, like the Stadia. Uh, We can talk about that for a second also. It's exactly like we feared, right? The last time we talked about how it's going to mess with our data caps when, you know, like uh, streaming... A couple of hours of a game is like terabytes and terabytes of data, which apparently it is. This is PC Gamer. I think they came up with it. They said uh, if you stream in 4K, it'll use one terabyte of data in 65 hours, which is nuts. <laughs> yeah, so why are we even... This Game Pass, sure. I could get with Game Pass if I was well, not the kind... It's also good, like, if you, if you have Xbox, it's also because it's the same thing. So I think it just transfers over, you know, between console and right. PC. Yeah, so that's a value add. That's a great value add, actually, if you've already got it. Yep. I won't do it. Uh, I don't think Microsoft has a ton of games I want to play, honestly. But except for, like, Forza Horizon, which is, I, that's the game series I do like from Microsoft. Oh, I was going to say, and got Gears of War 5, because we'll probably play that together. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Gears of War, you got to play that. But but that's the thing about like a curated library like this, is I I curate my own library so, that's that's why another reason I don't go for these services. Yeah, it's I, I'm not going to care about the majority of what's on there. I'm an a la carte kind of guy. Well, you don't care about Crackdown Three? Nope. No one did either. But you know what? No I, one else did. Either. You know what I do care about? Baldur's Gate Three, Larian Studios, the match made in heaven. See, I I have no history with Baldur's Gate. Oh my god. I, it's Divin- I mean, it's basically like Divin- if Divinity was yeah, running yeah. on uh, um, AD&D 2.5 Right. Uh, it would be the that only game. game I played of that, era, like, of that era, like the old Black Isle or, you know it was Bioware, right? They made some of those. Yeah, classic Bioware. The only game I played of that was Planescape Torment. And they brought that back a few years ago and it sucked hard. Well, <laughs> yeah, but that's not that, that, that was not them. But yeah, the old, right. if you played the original Planescape Torment, that's the same engine. You've got a rough idea of how that game works. Yeah. I mean, obviously not not as combat-focused, but they're, they're you know, pretty close. Right. So, yeah, Ke- uh, I don't know if you know him. You know Kevin Van Ord's writing it for it, I think. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, he works at Larian now, so that's cool. Good for him. It's crazy reading the interview with the the main um, uh, owner of uh, of Larian. I forget his name now, but he talked about how they like excitedly dashed the script, dashed the entire script, you know, over a weekend. Yeah, which is insane to me, considering how huge those like how it must have just been a draft outline or something, because that is insane. But yeah, it just it seems like they've been they've been trying to get uh, um, Wizards of the Coast to give them that license forever, like since the original Divinity. Uh, I mean, Divinity Original Sin. Yeah. that is. I mean, I'm sure it'd be good. Like the last two layering, like Divinity OS or Original Sin one and two, were good. Uh, yeah, good for them. My only concern is it's going to be based on five. I think fifth edition. Yeah. Um, rules, which I'm not. Uh, my understanding was that. Um, D&D got kind of dumbed down with the 4th edition, which is why a lot of people uh, switched to Pathfinder. Um, and then they integrated a lot of Pathfinder stuff into 5th edition, but kept a lot of things still from 4th. So I just know it's not going to play like classic Baldur's Gate just by virtue of being on a different rule set of D&D. Well, also, like I, I think, at least on PC, Divinity Original Sin 2 has a good mod support. So... If that's something you actually do care about, yeah, I'm sure someone will make a mod for it eventually. <laughs> so, yeah, good for them. I I love Divinity Original Sin. I love Divinity Original Sin too. I'm I'm like 95 hours into that now, playing it very very slowly over a long period of time. Uh, so, uh, you know, Baldur's Gate three is gonna slot well into uh, my Sunday mornings. Yeah, yeah, it'll take you three hours to get through it, or three years to get through it, I should say. Yeah, exactly. It'll be yeah, like a great Russian novel. Uh, uh, speaking of Russian novels, uh, Sony and Microsoft are working together for cloud gaming. Ah, uh, that's uh... <laughs> the, be- the, the best segue I could come up with. Sure. Uh, Dostoevsky would be proud of you. Um... Two, two great enemies coming together for a, stupid, for a great stupid cause. It, it's You could see, yeah, I, I could see the drawing room version of this. They announced it a few, like a few weeks ago or like a week ago. I mean, it's just like an, a somewhat of an agreement for like cloud gaming, but I don't care. Like, I don't know about you, but it's like, eh, this isn't like when Sony and or when Sega and Nintendo kind of came together finally, or they started putting like Sonic shit in it, like Mario. I think Microsoft like, finally realized that they didn't know what they were doing with the cloud stuff with, uh, you know, because they were promising all this cloud computing with the Xbox One, and none of it happened. You know, Crackdown 3 was supposed to be, we're offloading all of our def- terrain def- deformation to the cloud, and yeah. it's going to be the most am- amazing, immersive multiplayer ever. And it was just a complete wet fart the way that it, uh, uh, you know, what what little remained of those ambitions. Well, I think, for, especially for this generation, Microsoft kept saying, like, promising amazing things and it never delivered <laughs> yeah i mean i get that you know you've got to you've got to think big but uh you, you gotta hype hype a little but you gotta hype somewhat realistically even connect 2.0 barely approached what they were promising with the original connect as far as uh the capability so i i just think they have loftier they, they have all these great ideas that are actually technically very challenging i think the funniest thing about this though was like this story was like that Microsoft and Sony are like coming or like partnering up, but the PlayStation division had no idea what was going on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, 
<laughs> you might have you should have told them, or you might have wanted to clue them a little, clue them in a little. Like, I, I wonder if if Sony is kind of like Microsoft was, where the different departments or the different parts of the company are in active competition with one another and just like <laughs> being super I careful think, about secrets and everything. I think they are because also, uh, well, you gotta imagine. Well, think about Sony; like they're only real profitable thing right now is the playstation still kind of weird to be undermined by the other departments yeah i i still exactly. I, I still really like sony pictures they don't make good movies but they're really good at home video releases of those bad movies what are you talking about man ghostbusters is great uh, i do love i do love ghostbusters <laughs> you're the only one <laughs> we've just gotta we're, we're just gonna leave it open which ghostbusters we're talking about here oh the, the, the the chick one, obviously. No, I thought we were talking about Ghostbusters 2, the one with Vigo, the Carpathian. That's more better than the third one, I'd say. Anyway, uh, this is cool. I, 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 I like that, that That it's like, we are both suck at this cloud stuff. Let's try and figure it out together, and that, I, I think, is a good can, move we, forward. We can suck as one giant entity now. It'll be great. <laughs> yep. Totally it'll, in favor it'll, for it'll that. It'll be great, though, when they have, like, Sony games with Microsoft logos on them, and then vice versa. <laughs> that would be great. Like Gears of War Six, powered by the Sony by the Sony cloud computing. <laughs> Maybe this will in some way lead to actual crossplay one day in the in you know twenty twenty thirty you know nine or whatever. I mean, they have that now though. What actual crossplay between Microsoft and Sony yeah. stuff? Uh, Rocket League does that. Uh, Fortnite does that. Destiny Two is going to oh, do okay. that. I think. So they've got it for a couple of games. Yeah. Hmm, that's good to know. I just wish it was just a built-in. I I just want it like just at the ground level, like just give me base connectivity. Let me chat with people on the other system. Eh, it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, it's not that hard, but I can I can understand why a platform holder wouldn't want that because they're trying. You know, they're trying. I mean, from a business perspective, they're trying to entice people to like make a choice or. Or get both, like, you know, we always have Or to just get on Skype, like, you know, or get on Discord or whatever, like people do seem to do nowadays. Well, I don't like making choices. Good uh, good philosophy. <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking of choices, you'll have a ton of them in Mario Maker 2. That's true. Uh, oh, man, I lied. I do like making choices when it comes to making design choices for Mario Maker levels. Yep. This is going to give me so much more stuff. It's amazing. Uh, except for multiplayer with friends. <laughs> okay, yes. So th that's exactly everything that they've revealed in terms of the tile sets and the tools and the things they let you do. It's especially, I, I used to love, my, my favorite thing to do was making puzzle levels. Like levels where you have to use the springs and the doors and like all the little knickknacks in the in the level designer to to actually figure like your way out of a labyrinth or something. Yeah, you're making you're making Dan Riker levels. Yeah, I, I was uh, th that was really that was actually a lot of my inspiration was that I'm making I, I made some really bullshitty Dan Riker. You have to know how to get through here levels as well. Um, absolutely, uh, I love doing that stuff. Um, so this is just the. The amount of tools that they, just the stuff they showed, um, is just making me overflow with, with joy and ideas of, of things that can be done with that. But then the crushing disappointment that you can only co op with randos. Yeah. Good philosophy. I hate it. Is it just because two people, two people together would be too powerful in the high scores? Well, yeah, they think that like, the rankings are going to get. It's like, who, who cares about rankings? Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Like, or just have co-op be unranked. Yeah, that's the other thing. Just, I don't know. 
like they're like, oh, that's a dumb reason. That's like making those making making that kind of a sweeping decision based on that factor is weird to me. I mean, I guess it's Nintendo, so they're gonna have a justification, a design justification at least. Yeah, it's none too surprising. Let's say that. Uh, yeah, but they confirmed a bunch of stuff. Like there are different tile sets. Like the ice levels back. There's like a nighttime level or like nighttime mode for like levels and the like levels change. That all looks good. Like I'm. I'm still getting that game in a few few weeks, so I'm happy. Well, I also will be playing it. You'll be playing each other's level, so that's at least one, one way that we're going to have fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll be yeah. trying. I'm hoping... Did they say that... Uh, that um, I haven't booted um, Super Mario Maker up in forever, so I don't even know if my levels still I live. They didn't say that. and they all, I think they also explicitly said, though, that Amiibo stuff is gone. Like, all that costume stuff. Which is kind yeah. of a shame. Because that was, that was cool. Well, I thought that was interesting, at least. I liked well. I had to get the um, the big Mario amiibo, the the, the block Mario, yeah. which is like a collector's Mario, um, just so I could make the the big Mario like, uh, uh, mushroom. Yeah, the the freak one. Yeah, because I needed that for some of the from some of those. You know, like I did like a level where you were basically stuck until you found that mushroom and you could then break through certain walls that you needed to break through. Yeah, but hey, man, I can just put the angry sun wherever you want, so that's all you need. It's pretty cool. I also like the the moon that you can and then that you can attack or what is it? Jump on the moon, and it will uh, eliminate um, enemies. Yeah, that's neat. I like that as a mechanic. Uh, I was gonna say. Oh yeah, switching gears from that. Uh, last like you could do a cool you could do like a cool thing where you either have to like there's two ways of solving this level and one way is to kind of puzzle or stealth your way to this moon, or the other way is to deal with this huge. You know, insanely uh, complex, enemy-filled kind of course. Well, I mean, even couldn't wasn't like a 200 object limit in that original game. Yeah, they've upped it. Yeah. Uh, speaking, switching gears a little, and not in the document. Uh, there was a big E3 leak yesterday, or late last, late later last night, about Bando Namkai's stuff. Uh, did you see that? Uh, I did not. Tell me about it. So they they were three games leaked. Uh, the one you'll probably care about is uh-huh. uh, it's called Elden Ring. It's the game that George R. R. Martin is working on, along with I think Miyazaki. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a Bloodborne cart. Yeah. Bloodborne, Bloodborne, and Game of Thrones cart. Think of what those two guys are going to make. So What's, I just told you. Yeah, I hope it's like a good uh, dancing simulator, also though. <laughs> A, a new Tales game got not got leaked, uh, Tales of Arise, mm. which looked very pretty. Yeah, I mean, they've pushed the arts. There's, there's going to be a lot of figurines from that one. And the last thing, uh, which is interesting, is a remastered version of Nino Kuni 1. Coming to PS4, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. See. I didn't like Nino Kuni. That's I didn't like it. It was bad. It wasn't bad. It had a bad combat system. Yes, a bad combat system that that was that would torture you for a hundred hours of gameplay. So I, I hope this isn't just a visual bump. Like I mean, because who cares? Who honestly cares about like the game looked good? Even you back hope they back. redesigned the combat so it no longer is. Bad. I'm just uh, zipping around trying to pick a thing from a menu and not getting hit. Right. Ugh, exactly. Terrible. Even Lightning Returns, which did kind of a similar real time thing, had a better combat system. Yeah. It's also like a non-remastered version is coming to Switch. 
Uh, so okay. Great. Uh, the one thing I like about that, I love the uh, the Joe Hisaishi score. Big surprise. The thing I like about the game is the music. <laughs> yeah, the music's the one good thing. Well, and I guess the cutscenes, the the pretty anime, the, the Ghibli stuff. All the Ghibli stuff is incredible. And then you play the the combat, and it's just like, oh, this is so miserable just to get to the Ghibli stuff. And then in the middle of the game, there's very little Ghibli stuff. Like there's like. Uh, dozens of hours of grind in the middle of it where very little um, uh, eye candy happens. I uh, It's funny because I had a bunch of people talking last night about like, when this leaked about like, oh, I, I had it on PS3 and I'll buy it. But no one no one I talked to said they beat it <laughs> or, you know, could actually stand to play in the game. So <laughs> I should tell you something. I, don't, I totally don't get it. Just buy the soundtrack album. <laughs> you didn't play Nino Cooney 2, did you? <clears throat> no. Why would I play a sequel to a terrible game? No, Nino Kuni 2 is very different. It's good. It's basically a lot like Suikoden. Tactical, more, more tactical kind of combat with groups? Uh, no. Well, I mean, yes, the the combat is a lot better because it's not quite as dumb and, like, you know, grind-heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, you collect characters, and you use those characters. Like, the characters fill up your kingdom, and you get different buildings and stuff because of them. Huh. And there's, like, 100 characters to collect. <laughs> that sounds appealing. Like a, like a Suikoden game. The problem with the game, though, is like, it's a bunch of timers. So you have to, like, let's say, you're like, oh, I want to research, you know, Helm, the seventh level of Helms. It's like, okay, you have to you have to spend six hours for them to research it. It's like, uh, all right, <laughs> I guess I'll play the game. I guess I'll get to the story or something, you know. But, yeah. Sure. Uh, I, I'll probably get Tales of Arise because I'll be the one to that, most likely. <laughs> That'll be – I have not actually um, played a Tales game yet. Ever or ever, yeah. I, I've I, I own a couple that I bought super cheap on sale and have never booted. Yeah, I think for Vesperia is pretty good. It's long, but it's good. Uh, Zillia one and two have like really bad character names, and Berseria is good. It's a little. It's Berseria is weird because it's like a like a kind of like an anti-hero game. Like your character is like a, you know like a psychopath to an extent. <laughs> Speaking of psychopaths. And people who like them. Final Fantasy VII Remake got shown again. <laughs> Very pretty. I like that new heiress. That's a really, I mean, a really great adaptation of the old design. I wonder if it's still going to have Mandy Moore voicing her, like in Kingdom Hearts. That'd be good. Or Advent Children, I think she also did that. Yeah. No, it looks good. I mean, I, I feel bad for CyberConnect being cut out of the thing but and having all their work scrapped. But, hey, they had to do something. That game looks like Final Fantasy XV. Like, just like a mod of that. Which is fine. <laughs> like, I... I'm. I seem to be one of the few people who likes Final Fantasy XV's battle system. I was not a huge fan. I had never finished that game either. Okay. Yeah. I actually, I didn't hundred percent that game, but I came damn close, which is like shocking to me because I typically don't like Final Fantasy games. It's not impossible to platinum. My friend David did it, um, and it uh, he, it just the platinum just kind of came. Yeah. Um, as a result of being com- fairly completionist. Right. Hey, I, I'm looking for an excuse. I've been thinking about replaying Final Fantasy VII again forever, and I just keep thinking about like, what's the best version? Like, I can play it on my Vita. I guess I can play the original version, or um, you know, should I should I try and boot up the the up-res PC version, or like, what should I do? And uh, this remake just keeps hovering over that decision as well, where it's just like, maybe I'll just wait for the remake. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I I don't know. I. I have very mixed thoughts on Final Fantasy VII as a property 
and as a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I just, I get overblown to an, like to a big extent. Like the story in that game is, I think, bad. Yeah. Because like, the, like the first half of the story is fine. When it's like you as a plucky, you know, in the plucky rebel group trying to take on the company, like the evil company, and then it like dramatically shifts to the Sephiroth stuff. Yeah. And it's like this does not work at all. Like, um, I remember um, thinking it was good, but it has been far too long for me to be able to really defend it on um, specific narrative. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to address whatever narrative complaints you have. Actually, oh, I have a friend who thinks the game is like literally perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's clearly not. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he thinks there's like no, nothing wrong with the game at all, and I'm like, even games I love, like I love Persona Five, there are still things I could criticize in that game or you know still bad things in that game like no game no game is perfect <laughs> there are very few flawless classics in any genre or medium yeah and Final Fantasy 7 is not one of them trust me <laughs> the, I'll tell you this joke uh, I think I may have told you online or something but okay it's good for the podcast I had a friend who thought that because Final Fantasy 7 is now it's not just a singular game it's a big whole multimedia franchise and stuff and it's episodic now. I mean, that's one thing we should mention. It remains episodic, even in its new form. Oh, yeah. I, I knew that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go on with your joke. He, uh, he thought, he thinks that everything Final Fantasy VII has, was preordained or was like part of some grand master plan, like before the game came out. Like, he was like, oh, no, all the anime and the uh, side games and all that stuff, it's all. It's all going to connect part- seamlessly. Yeah. It, it's all, it's all going to, like, wrap up or it's all going to, like, you know, it all makes sense. Like it's all part of like you know the master plan. So the question <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as you watch Advent Children, you're like, how does this fit into the expanded universe? Well, my question to him was then, my question to him was, so where does that Final Fantasy VII uh, Japanese only cell phone snowboarding game fit in your master plan? <laughs> what do you mean? It there, there was snowboarding in Seven that fits in well. Yeah, but it's not. You already know that he snowboards. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a major thing. It's well established canon. And then he would give me a pissed off look and then walk away. <laughs> I mean, seven is a class. That's. It's like whenever Sergeant Pepper gets reissued, I'm gonna buy Sergeant Pepper again. Is that the Beatles? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yes, it's the Beatles. All right. It's it, it's a classic one. They keep remixing it. George Martin. I mean, um, Giles Martin. George Martin's son keeps going back and re. And he's he's now done too. He actually just did the White Album as well. So I keep buying them because it's a new mix. It's a new mix of the White Album. How can you not? Uh, I cannot because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but but I wonder if you. I don't know. Maybe does your mom care? Your mom's a Beatles fan. Uh, probably not. But okay. she thinks like records are too expensive, or you know. Is your mom a pirate? No, God no. She doesn't. <laughs> how to turn a computer on? So. <laughs> okay, so go, uh, Ghost Recon break, Breakpoint? Yeah. <laughs> All right. They're making a sequel to Wildlands called Bra- Breakpoint. Uh, you don't like it. I'm more ambivalent about it. <laughs> How do you know I don't like it? Because you said it, you don't. Uh, you said you don't like survival mechanics, like food. Oh yeah. And... <laughs> okay, I did talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I did vent already. Uh, that's uh, yeah. It's one of my pet peeves. I don't like survival games. I don't like having to keep up with my equipment. Um, so that is a big turnoff. Uh, especially, I mean, I was I lo- I liked Wildlands, but Wildlands had a lot of inconveniences well, as Wildlands well. Wildlands didn't have that also. So. Wildlands exactly. So now I'm just thinking about 
would I still play Wildlands if it had if it had uh, survival and weapon maintenance on top of it? And I think the answer is no. No matter if they put the Punisher in it or not. My my thought is it depends on how arduous that stuff is, because like Days Gone has some survival aspects, like the, basically the fuel. But that's vi- yeah. I, that's a very minor. And I did not like that. Yeah. I mean, you don't like it, but it's a super minor inconvenience in that grand scheme of that game. True. Uh something like you know don't starve or like the long dark which is survival games on pc like that's the whole fucking point of those games like i imagine like your weapon will degrade over time or like you may get hungry but every enemy bite base you take over or you know you attack you'll find food and different guns or like you know a gun maintenance kit or something like that i still can't believe i made it through breath of the wild and that game i love that game but it pissed me off so much with the weapon stuff see that's the opposite I, i i have that game I made it to like the first dungeon, I think, and I kind of just stopped playing. Like I just didn't, it didn't grab me like I, I thought it should have. Oh, but the design is so good. Like each dungeon is a custom little thing that's well thought out. No, no, I meant like the first big dungeon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a good. I thought that was a good, good one of those. Good water dungeon, in the in the in the a good entry in the water dungeon genre of of just Zelda. Didn't have an, didn't have the iron boots, so I wasn't interested. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, Breakpoint, I've got to be convinced. I mean, I might still get it. I just have to be convinced. I have to, like, know that it's not... I, I have to know to what degree that stuff is egregious. I guess it'll be interesting to see if they ever do make a Splinter Cell. Uh, whatever, whatever everyone seems to want. Because <laughs> that last one is good. And that last one came out in 2013. That's a long... It's been a long time since the Splinter Cell game came out. So, yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, depending on the reviews. Exactly. Always... That, yeah, that, that's where I am. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ubisoft, they delayed that Assassin's Creed boat-looking Skull of Bones game until at least March 2020. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, need more time to make it good. I understand. I don't know. I don't care. I just don't care about that game. It's like a prettier or, a, you know, a bigger version of like the Assassin's Creed boat stuff. That was a good. That was the only part of Assassin's Creed um, Black Flag I liked. Was the boat stuff? I actually like really like Black Flag, all, like all of it. And it was great. The, the thing I like to do is I would just put on Cutthroat Island, turn my headphones, and just roam the sea and doing all the doing all the challenges and trying to get the the galleons, the the big ones, and leveling up my, my ship and stuff. That's the stuff I enjoyed. Whenever it did force stealth and forced me to like sneak around an island, um, it just was like, oh god, it's so miserable. It's like the most like three and four have the most miserably designed stealth missions. And it's just a slog to get back to the boat, to like, oh yeah, I guess I've got, you know, I've got more boat stuff to do. If you give me all boat stuff with Skull and Bones, then like, I'm in. That's called Sea of Thieves also, which... <laughs> no, Sea of Thieves has no progression and no content from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, switching to a bad, gum- bad, bad philosophy coming soon. Uh, EA is, quote, planning to offer soft launch games or soft launching their games. Yeah, because uh, they got hammered. They're continually getting hammered by stuff like uh, Battlefront Two and Anthem. An- yeah, that was a big one, Anthem. So instead of instead of releasing a game when it's actually finished, they're doing the opposite and releasing it when it's half finished and hoping for the best. <laughs> but but at least they're now being upfront about the fact that like, hey, it's half finished. Yeah, which means uh, it should be half priced. Which it won't be. Well, and it means I I won't care about it. We both played Anthem. It seemed half finished, even then. I thought. Well, yeah, 
or just bad and you know not good <laughs> but i would know if you told me up front this is an unfinished game i would just not buy it yeah so this is a step in the right direction like i would not um i would not have picked up either destiny or uh anthem at launch if i had known the state that they were in at the time yeah now with, with battlefront i don't think the game was in a bad state at all it's just they made terrible design decisions and they had a bad philosophy of that game. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. From the top down, there are so many things you could have done with the loot boxes that would have been smart. Like, uh, you know, give me cosmetic upgrades. There are so many cosmetic things. So many cool... There's so many cool Star Wars things that you could do cosmetically. There's so much stuff in the Star Wars universe. So many, like, outfits and and variations on the characters. Like, they've got so many different looks, depending on what era of the, the series we're in. Like you could totally sell me Luke. Just like let me unlock Luke skins. Like let me give me give me Luke on Dagobah. Give me. <laughs> but they claim that Lucas Hearts wouldn't let them. It doesn't. It's so crazy to me. Or that or Disney, I guess. Well, I mean that's what I that's what I mean. Like they like, it's gonna mess with the canon. It's like it's a fucking team based shooter. There isn't. It's not like story based. Like okay, so mess with the canon. I can understand to say like you don't want to give me full, um, you know, character customization so I can make my pink Veda or whatever. Like I mean, that was literally the, one of the shots. They had a pink Vader. Right. That's what. Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm referencing. Um, okay. That that I can I can understand pink Vader being being a step too far, but just like let me unlock stuff from the films and expanded universe. Give me my Dash Rendar skin. Give me my uh, you know what was Dash. I want to play as a Sith version of B. Arthur. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I absolutely want to, and I want to unlock the uh, the her sad song. Yeah. Um, as a for the soundtrack, um, the the her her farewell from her uh, when yeah, she Moss loses Cantina. her. Yeah, Cantina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think EA is like increasingly screwed. <laughs> like if they don't have their sports games, which I mean they still do well, but they're over monetizing them as well. And at that loot box. Uh, legislation comes to pass, EA's done. Well, I hope so. I don't. I mean, say what you want. EA has been a super long and, for most of it, good company, or at least interesting company. Like, back in, like, the... Hell, even the 360 era, they were coming out with, like, interesting no, games. I'm not saying I hope they go out of business. I'm saying I hope that they'll be forced oh. to change their practices. To actually start making games again? <laughs> go back to being EA. I remember yeah. when EA... And you remember, too. It wasn't, actually, it wasn't that long ago when they had the initiative for new IP that, like, Dead Space came out of it. Mirror's Edge came out of it. They were publishing Shadows of the Damned. Well, yeah. they're, a whole bunch of, like... My favorite yeah, the skate games that people still pine after. And yeah, like, people want a new skate. For I don't want a new skate, but people want a new skate. So uh, there's totally um, there's they've got good they've got good series, and I guess they just weren't hitting the sales targets that they needed to justify whatever they were spending to develop those games. Like lo 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 Lollipop Chainsaw, that's an EA game technically. It's interesting that I mean. I'm not as old as like like a Jeff Gersman, like so I don't have like the Atari knowledge or like that before like 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 the eighties knowledge I'll say. Three eighty six is my first computer. From like the nine like so I'm I'm going from like the Super Nintendo upward. Uh like the PlayStation era of Square. They they came out with a ton of shit. Most of it good, or at least interesting. The PS two era of Square 
it came out with some good stuff, but it wasn't as regular. Wait, why, why are we talking about Square? I thought we were talking about EA. Because it's the same thing. EA did this; it has the same track record. What I'm what I'm saying oh, is, go on. Like PlayStation, like the PlayStation One era of games, like Square, EA, even Activision, uh, they came out with games constantly, and most of them were great. And the PS2 era, it slowed down, and the PS3 era, it slowed down even more. And now the PS4 era, like, we're lucky to get, like, one new Square game a year. Or, like, EA is like, well, they came out, they came out with a bunch of games, but they're all iterate, like, they're all, like, Madden 2020, or, you know, iterations. They're not new games. They're just, yeah, but Square is still when, sure, one Square game a year, if you don't count, like, things like what Crystal Dynamics is doing. Well, I'm talking, I'm talking, like, Square official, like, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, or... but you know that Square Official still does what they've always done. It's just, it's kind of like what happened with my podcast, where uh, as the podcast became more ambitious, it would take, it would become increasingly overbearing to produce. And that is where they are with their with Final Fantasy games. I think it started on the previous generation with things. I think 13 was really the first big. Um, and, and of course, uh, you know, what happened with 15? 15, 15 was in development forever. Yeah. So they I mean, just got to they just got scope creep to the point where these games would take an eternity to come out. That, uh, that, and be, then they should stop that. Like, well, no but one, the I mean, the, the result is these super ambitious mega games that, while incredibly flawed in ways, I mean, but I, I, they, most of them don't make the money back. Like Final Fantasy XV is a great game and it sold well, but it. it I can guarantee you didn't make its money back. That's possible. I don't have any insight into her into Square's finances, but um, well, I got to think that game came out took over a, a, almost a damn decade. Well, like, but that's but that's diff, that's totally different than EA though. That to me, to me, what that says though is that, and, or or the way they've treated uh, fourteen. You know, the way fourteen was a disaster when it came out. They kept iterating it and kept supporting it. You know, they're still supporting eleven. So you look at Square and then you look at what they do with their merchandising, those lavish soundtrack sets, those la- you know, the, those lavish yeah, collectors we things. All, we all know how much those we all know how much how big a money maker that is for Square. <laughs> well, I don't care how big a, you can talk about how successful that is for Square, how much it matters that, you know, whether people bought the, you know, near Automata Symphonic concert Blu-ray or whatever. Who cares? What it tells me though is that Square is a company that A cares about their intellectual property. No, you know, we'll sell you the things. We'll sell the fans the things that the fans want from them around their intellectual property. Like they, they are doing everything that they should be doing to satisfy their audience, and they care about their audience, and they care about the quality of what they're putting out in terms of the in terms of the um, the product. You're talking about the packaging, or not the packaging per se, but about the stuff surrounding the game. Like if Square made a pair, you know, if they announced tomorrow or for E3. Hey, we got Vagrant Story two and Parasite officially three. I'd be a fucking on board, but they're never gonna do that. They're just gonna, you know, it's gonna shit out another Final Fantasy game down the road. And it's like, all right, near near alone, near Drakengard. Like those are you can't you can't tell me that there have not been good Square games in like the last ten years. I'm not talking about quality. I'm talking about quantity, and there's a difference. Are you and I not drowning in a gigantic backlog of games? Do you need a fire hydrant of releases pointed at you? If it was a, if it was a company I liked, yeah. Imagine, I mean, imagine if they came out with like another near tomorrow. Would you play it? Of course I would, but but I I just want the artists to take whatever time they need to make the art that they want to make, 
and like uh, what I'm not saying, like, no, like, what like I'm this saying, whole though, thing of is, like putting pressure to produce. I don't. I'm not. I'm never going to put pressure on an artist to produce. I may be disappointed that they're not producing as fast as I want them to. But, no, what I'm what I'm saying though is back in the day, artists produced a lot more quickly, and I'm obviously graphics are yeah. The big those, pro- those, like, those games were much easier to make. But also, I would happily take a game that looked like. I don't honestly care that much about graphics. I know you do, or oh, I love them. People, I love production people, value. Who doesn't love production value? I'm saying, I'm, t- I'm saying, over gameplay, it's a distant second to me. Yeah, it's just good rebuttal. <laughs> like I, I just, it's just interesting that like Square and EA. Like, I'll say EA. Like they made a ton of games for the like the PS One that their output compared to like EA. In like 1997 to like now, it's like what happened. This is the difference. Square is actually making things. Square is actually being a real company that's trying to make art. You know, they're they're not um, they're not cranking out. Hey, I, mean, sh- I, I defy you to say that Sims 4 an expansion is not art. <laughs> right, but that's like EA has completely stopped uh, developing. That, I yeah, mean, I mean new IP. That- that's the same thing with Activision too. Yeah, Activision basically is only they're they're just keeping their existing money makers going and they're focusing on on like a couple of, of genres that that they've decided are um where they can monetize on top of the game. But they're not actually making, you know, uh any kind of uh single player new IP. Like what's the last I mean that's a good question. What's the last EA uh IP? Apex Legends? I guess so. And like before that, I can't remember. <laughs> like that's the thing. I, I like would would I even are they putting out indie? Are they are they putting out indie games? I really I, maybe I'm just am I, am I full of shit here? I don't pay as close attention to the no, releases. No, the last as indie game I think they put out was uh, that yarn game, Yarny Two, or okay, the, like the like the blue and blue and red yarn guys like working together. That was last year. Unravel Two. I think that's what it was. So. So as we're, as we did this po- or doing this podcast, they, EA had their EA Play thing today, or like just like a few hours ago. Uh-huh. This is what they talked about: Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which might be good. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Apex Legends, Battlefield Five, Battlefront Two, still, FIFA Twenty and Madden Twenty, and The Sims Four, and it's like wow. What what a what a thrilling and exciting lineup. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about it earlier, but they're about EA, but yeah, some a Republican congressman, I think, is trying to ban loot boxes aimed at children. Yay, GOP. I don't know. I don't mind loot boxes if they are not predatory. But I think EA and Activision have gone uh like too far. <laughs> well, I still welcome this legislation. Yeah. I mean, they're going to fight a tooth and nail, and I, it's probably not going to pass in the grand scheme. But I think it's interesting that the ESRB is like four loot boxes. Like it shows, ESRB was supposed to be like a consumer, somewhat of a consumer point board yeah. originally, but now it's just like whole hog, like big business and whatever EA wants they get, <laughs> or EA, ESA, I should say. Sorry, not ESRB. <laughs> but I mean, uh, we did, we wanted that. You know, you had you had uh, uh, when during the whole violence in video games argument, which the Supreme Court finally settled. Yeah, a couple of years ago, the ESR, the ESA, kind of um, beefed up their lobbying arm, basically, and integrated closer with those with the big video game companies. And we all saw it as a good thing at the time, and it was a good thing in a way. 
um, because uh, uh, you know the the whole freedom of speech issue. But then, of course, it also is giving the companies more power in other exploitative ways. Right. But uh, not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. Speaking speaking of not bad, uh, <laughs> talking about Persona Five: The Royal, which. I'm excited for. <laughs> yeah, man. That character trailer, it looks sweet. My future waifu right here. Ryoji? <laughs> Kazumi. Yeah, yeah. It's coming out, I think it's coming out later this year, on like Halloween for Japan. 2020 for, you know, America. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's upgraded version of Persona 5. Uh, new characters, new semester of school, I think. Like new areas. It's supposed to be like analogous to Persona 4 Golden, but a lot more expansive. I saw butthurt on Twitter that uh, the old DLC was not coming over. I don't care. <laughs> I think the D- the DLC was kind of goofy, and like I think my main character, my main party right now is like t- like uh uh what's her name and and the other chick. Uh, I care a little bit because I bought all of it. I I bought like half of it. But it's like, eh. Well, besides, they'll have a whole whole new DLC for you, so you'll have that. That's the thing. I just kind of expected the old DLC to just be part of this new part of the Royal, but and then maybe they'll sell extra other extra stuff. But I guess that's not quite the case. Yeah. Disappointing, but I'm still gonna buy it because Persona. I the only thing I hope, and I think I talked, to, I wrote a comment about this a few weeks ago, is I hope they. I, mean, I know they won't because it's too far off. But I hope they announce a stupid special edition version of the game so I can just buy it now, pre-order it now, and get it over with. Yeah, I've been waiting for that to show up. That's you know, I've got to get all the. I'm just getting all the Atlas <laughs> special editions now. They're becoming like working designs. <laughs> Did you ever have any of those like, when you were growing up? Working designs. Yeah, or the working designs games. I don't even know what that is. Working Designs is a company as a publisher in like PS1 era. I can't, like, they made some stuff on Sega CD, but they like mainly PS1. Uh-huh. So they, they published like Lunar, Silver Star Story, uh, Grow Lancer. No, I uh, didn't play those. I've heard of Grow Lancer. Okay. So like Lunar, Silver Star Story, it came in a big box. So it came with a two game CDs. I think it was two game CDs, a soundtrack CD, a making of movie CD. A hardcover book, a cloth map. Oh, uh, cloth map. And like some, I think like one or two. Oh, if you pre-order the game, you got a actual like uh, character puppet. I actually had this as a kid. Like the puppet, like huh. it had like two punching arms, like you know, like the lever, like old like rock and fucking robots or something. Mm-hmm. Uh and that was like standard. And then it's like I think like Lunar Two, you got like a bunch of that stuff again, and then you got like. Uh, like a actual like replica necklace, like the main one of the main characters wore, and like Girl Answer, you got like a watch, and like a ring, like a you know replica ring. So it's like they're doing the same things that like at, you know working designs is doing way back in the day. You know like Callus is doing now. This sounds like a dream come true. It was until Sony killed working designs. Ah, <laughs> uh, alas! Because they didn't like they didn't like two uh, D RPGs on the on the PS One. Oh, it was they were trying to force three D stuff. Yeah, they like they didn't like they. I I think they didn't even want Castlevania Symphony of the Night on there initially. Wow, crazy! Because they're like it's it's two D, and it's like so <laughs> like who cares if it's two D or three D? Is it a good game? 
That's that's the question. But yeah, I guess they were trying to they're trying to foster a certain image or, or cultivate a certain image. Yeah. But it's nice to see Atlas is uh, taking or taking that mantle. <laughs> when there's a soundtrack CD involved, that's uh, that's going to sell me a special edition. Oh, I have that. I well, I don't have it anymore, but I think I ripped it, or I may still have it somewhere. It was a good CD or a good soundtrack, and so is Lunar too. I'll send you. A, I'll send you that track later. Sure, uh, that'd be nice. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's get into some. Or uh, do do, we, do you want to talk about entertainment news? Is that is yeah. that really really? Might as well. uh, that's it. Seems like such a Sean thing. Nah, okay. I don't like I talking about it because we have some we have some things in common. We, we could both watch Good Omens. Like yes, we both we both love Robert Pattinson. I you know what? I I know he gets a lot of crap as Edward, but he's a fine enough actor. Yes. Like, yes. I actually, he's pretty. I actually, he's pretty. I mean, I rewatched the Harry Potter movies recently, like a few days ago. Actually, like all of them, he was good in that. I'm not even talking about his role as Cedric. I mean, like, um, you know, there's some. He's in some real movies. He's in. Uh, he's in Cosmopolis, the David Cronenberg film, and he's quite good in that. Yeah. Uh, he's in. He's in The Rover, which I personally didn't enjoy, but he was really good in. Um. So yeah, he's a real actor, and uh, I think he's uh, the right age and uh, physical appearance. To be yeah. the Batman at the moment. I think pe- people always bitch about Batman. Uh, n- people are never happy with the casting. Yeah, people Except, bitch about well, Heath Ledger. Christian Christian Bale. People liked him, or people ex- like yeah. rightly people, thought he'd be good. But people like, bitched ba- about Michael Keaton. People bitched about Ben Affleck. <laughs> well, in that case, I, I mean, I actually don't hate Batfleck. I don't hate him. No, no, he was good. I mean, it's like Henry Cavill. I-, I thought Henry Cavill would be the perfect Superman, but then, of course, he's stuck in the Zack Snyder movies, which are so he can't actually be charming, and you know he's got to be dour, messianic Batman. I mean, Superman. Yeah. Uh so he's he got cast. We'll see if that movie ever still comes out because <laughs> I've been working on it for since Justice League. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I'm just disappointed that it's not. I was hoping for the Ben Affleck directed Batfleck moment, movie. Yeah. And he just kind of at some point was like, I don't really have any ideas. <sighs> I think Batman is, I mean, there have been a ton of Batman movies. That's kind of the problem. Like, it's Overexposure? Yeah. Well, I think there's still angles you can take. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd, I mean, it'll never do it, but I really would like a Batman Beyond movie. <laughs> nah, I'm not a big fan of Batman Beyond. You are wrong, but that's fine. I, I suppose uh, <laughs> you can. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, let's talk about Good Omens for a bit. Would you like? You've read the book, right? Yes, or... a childhood favorite of mine, Terry Pratchett. Actually, my favorite author. Um, him and Michael Crichton were like my childhood, basically. Same two guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're very different. Looking retrospect, looking back at them retrospect, I was like, man, this Michael Crichton stuff is like not good, and Terry Pratchett is hey, man, more relevant ta- than ever. <laughs> timeline's always good. <laughs> well, timeline. We were already into like way bad Michael Crichton, but even the you know, I got into Michael Crichton the way everybody got into Michael Crichton, and, uh, and from my generation, I Sphere? think is Jurassic <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after Jurassic Park, I went back and read you know Andromeda Strain and all that stuff. Hey, wait, why am I talking about Michael Crichton? We're talking about Terry Patchett. Uh, this I world. Have, I have no not I I know his daughter. That's about it. <laughs> oh, Rihanna Pratchett, also a, a decent writer in her own right. I mean, she's no Terry Pratchett, but I've enjoyed her work. Um, and, and she seems really cool. Yeah. I, I follow her on the social medias. And, uh, yeah, uh, they did a really... Neil, Neil Gaiman did a really good job adapting that book. 
Um, he really captured the the friendship um, between uh, um, Aziraphale and Crowley. And Crowley. Yeah. To say I was, I'm always wanted to call him Crowley. They even address that where he like I've changed my name from Crowley to Crowley, which wasn't in the book. Yeah. Um, sorry, from from Crowley to Crowley. I actually think uh, what's his name? David Tennant kind of he's played that type of character before. I mean, it's basically a mixture of like the Doctor and. Uh, Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. <laughs> yeah, but that's a mixture that shouldn't. That's like two flavors that should not go together. But I actually think Michael Sheen did a, like a good, like a be, like not a better job, but a he had a harder job. I think they're both in absolutely tip-top form. Uh, I think the writing that that story has always hinged completely on their their bromance, and they really get the bromance and the their interplay and their their chemistry is so good. And the characterization, you know, you've got this. You know this angel who's gone kind of soft, um, and this devil who's also kind of gone kind of soft. So they they it's it's like a <laughs> they meet in the center kind of to to save Earth from both sides. That's always been the theme of uh, of that book. It's uh, you know it's aged well, you could say. It feels very contemporary, and they've kept a lot of the great writing um, in the form of Francis McDormand narrating. Uh, so a lot of the uh, the language, you know, that's the other thing of Terry Pratchett is just he's such a his prose is so funny. And they got a lot of the funny pros in. So um, I was really happy about this version. I think my only complaint um, is that uh, uh, some of the special effects were a little dodgy, a little Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, but I guess, you know, it's British television, so what do you expect? You know, I've always lived with that in adaptations of things I like. I mean, look at how bad the 80s hitchhiker, you know, still looks. I thought it was funny. Well, there are two, a few things I'd point out. I thought it was funny Nick, Nick, Nick Offerman is in it for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, he's the American diplomat. Yeah, uh, he, I mean, he had a funny role, but I, I, I mean, I don't know the book, so I can't judge. But I, I wish it was a, like a little more him. Oh no, I mean, he's not an important character. You just care because they. It's like he's an unimportant character, really. That's the whole, the, the whole joke of it, right? Is that you're supposed to be focusing on Megiddo and on? Yeah, I was gonna say it's an Omen parody, essentially. Yeah, so you've got at the center, you've got basically the Omen plot gone wrong. And so you've got to have a cool guy playing the American diplomat, even though the whole joke is that he doesn't matter. So you would, you would never – I think wanting more of him is, is kind of defeats the purpose of, of what they were doing with him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I really – I thought they did a great job expanding on little – like there, there's like a thing that in the book is just like a page where he just talks about their friendship over the, over the years. And it's, it's like Neil Gaiman took one sentence each and then just blew it up into a scene and it became like half an episode. It's just... Yeah, tw- 24 minutes of like before even the credits start or something. Yeah, and it's just, exp- it's just expanding on stuff in the book that is really fun to expand on. So I think as an adaptation, it's great. This is pretty minor, but remember the diner scene with Famine introducing like the his food substitute or whatever? Yeah. I think that set was used in Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, there's a like in, in tenth, I think the tenth season, of, no, ninth season, when Clara like her, she has like she's working in a diner as like the, has her version of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this the same set? Like it looks like fifties American Americana diner. Like I can't imagine there's too many of those in Britain. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, sure there's a lot of reuse with, with sets with that. I mean, there's, like, stuff in... Again, I mentioned that old Hitchhikers. There's, like, stuff in that old Hitchhikers from, like, that's, that's like, a thing from Doctor Who, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm sure that happens. Also, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny, and I would have changed his casting a little. But I think they made a big deal about... Uh, what's his name? Ben- Benedict Cumberbatch voicing Satan or voicing the devil. He only talks, like, three lines anyway. But it would have been... 
I thought it would have been funnier or better if it was Neil Gaiman doing voicing that character. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know the book, so I thought like diverged weirdly, like the whole Pulsifer stuff, like that Witchfinder army. I was like, I I guess it, I can I mean, it makes sense in the end, I guess, but it's like this. I don't care about this. <laughs> it just seems like very out of place to me. You don't you don't care about the other characters is what you're telling me. Kind of. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like that part. I like all the Agnes Nutter stuff. Agnes Nutter is like a character straight out of the Discworld books. I, I really like her and how, how her scenes are written. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to spoil any of the jokes, but the jokes around her are really good. You know, she's her, her prophecies and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, what else? Oh, I picked up. Uh, I was briefly mentioned that I picked up Doctor Who season eleven on Blu-ray this week. Oh, the the Jodie Whittaker one. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what you think. No, I've seen. It. I, I mean, I watched that show when it was coming out. Oh, I forgot. Yes, you did. We both watched it at the same time. Uh, I, 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 we both had pretty much the same reaction, right? Which is that like it's bad, but at least it's not Stephen Moffat bad. I, I would take him over her, or I'd take not. I, I shouldn't say over her. I would take him over Chinball. <laughs> right. You don't like Chinball as a showrunner as much. Not at all. <laughs> like I, I, I know Broadchurch season one got like good ratings or good reviews. It was good. It was really good. Season two and three didn't. <laughs> no season season two completely. Season one of Broadchurch was brilliant, and then season two comes along, and it just basically is a courtroom drama where they relitigate the entire events of the first season that we all already know about, and then stick it stick an uns- unsatisfying ending at the end. So and it's I guess- like, why? What was the season even? Here's a question to you. Of the three showrunners, who's best? You know, rank them one to three. Uh-huh. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm asking you. Like, I assume oh, yours would be Davy, Davies, uh, Russell Chinball. T. Davis, number one. Chinball, number two. Moffat, number three. And it's just Moffat, you know, as the thing with Chinball is he just has very simplistic and boring stories, most of which get resolved by the Doctor either remembering a thing that she knew but had forgotten or uh, giving an inspirational speech that changes the villain's mind. See, I, I would rank them, I would rank it Davy or not, sorry, uh, Moffat 1, Davies 2, and then Chinball 3. Oh, no way. See, the thing with, as much as I think that Chinball's really boring, um, I at least it's not the completely up its own ass See, uh, big, big arcs that, of, that Moffat would always do. I have a friend online named Ben. He's a huge, like, way bigger Doctor Who fan than either either you or I are going to be. He has done a uh, counter, uh, or like a, uh, yeah, like a counter of the Doctor Who Wikipedia not filling out one of the Chinball episodes. I think it's like the Tsang, yeah, Watch episode. Uh-huh. And it's been seven months since that episode came out and they've still not done a plot synopsis of it <laughs> because it's so, <laughs> it's so boring. Right. Yeah. You, I think we'll disagree. I think Moffat had higher highs and lower lows. But I think even his bad episode, quote unquote, bad episodes are still better than most of Doctor Who season 11. <laughs> yeah. Well, Doctor Who season 11 did not make me angry. Like Doctor Who season eight did. So like, also, that's something uh, in its favor. Also, I just like Jodie Whittaker. That's a problem. I like her and I really like Graham. Uh, and they did some, they did some stuff with Graham at least, but they didn't do anything with that. Uh, Yasmin character, like whatsoever, <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> also get, Getting rid of Mary Gold was a mistake. Yeah. The new guy is not nearly as good as Mary Gold. It's much more of a uh, very understated kind of nothing ambient. 
yeah. uh, tr- uh, treatment, which I realized they were trying to get away from the the very symphonic Hollywood sound of, of the Muffet Doctor Who to differentiate themselves and be more modern, but it just doesn't work well to me. Right. That, yeah. that theme is terrible. Oh, that, that weird, like, it sounds like a tumble dryer yeah. version of the Doctor Who theme. I guess it's got a cool cut. It's got like a lo-fi vibe. I can see where they're going, where, where they... I can see where he was going with it stylistically, but the end result is just this like really muffled nothing of a theme. Yeah. It sucks. Yep. Uh, speaking of sucking, here are the new games coming out in a few weeks. <laughs> the next few weeks. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, nothing coming out next week. Nothing big because it's E3 and nothing should come out that week. Uh, the following week, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is finally hitting June 18th. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. I know you are Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I backed it at $60 on Kickstarter. So did I. I that's the, that is the one game I actually backed like to get something you know worthwhile. Yeah. I was I like, I, I'm not sure it's ever going to be on disc. The only way I'm ever going to hit it on disc is this way. Yeah. And then I think it's like not releasing in stores for 40 So it's like, that's a nice fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's a big fuck you. Which is why I ordered the Switch version from Best Buy, which comes with a, a, a metal collectible case i should do that probably be if i can afford it uh crash team racing nitro fuel this coming june 21st that remake or the you know remaster of crash team racing which was a good kart racer like it's not like mario kart level but it's like a half a step below so it's still fine (laughs) uh cadence of hyrule uh it's coming june 20th uh, Zelda Necromancer game. I'm looking forward to um, whatever Zelda remixes are going to come out of this new Zelda game. Oh yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, the album will be great. I'm not going to play it because I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to play a rhythm roguelike. I don't know. I, I, you did, do you not like Necrodancer or? I never. I'm not. I didn't, haven't played Necrodancer because it's not my thing. Oh. What about the soundtrack? Do you have you heard that? I've heard it. It's good. Okay, good. Well, I mean. All of it, because there are some good uh, remixes, on the, like if you buy the game. There's like two different remixed albums with it. Oh, I don't know if I've heard all the music, but I know I heard an album's worth of it. Yeah, there's like the main album by Danny B. And then there's a, uh, what is it, a like techno version, and then like a heavy metal version. Yeah, I just collect, you know, whatever Danny B puts out, I will pick up. Uh, and the next week after that, for June, let's see, this is way off, but for June 25th, is uh, Judgment, so that'll be good. Uh, and the whoop, 28th whoop. is Mario Maker 2, so that'll also be good. Whoop, whoop. Yep, that's it from us. Uh, any final parting thoughts? I'm excited for Judgment and Mario Maker. Yep, Judgment also has a really cool box art, or like, game icon screen, or game icon on the PS4. Yeah, man. I wish there was a collect. I wish there was a Judgment Collector Edition. Like, give me like a, a blindfold or a little statue of justice or something. Well, it has like a little in the game. There's like a, uh, what is it? Like a attorney pin or like a badge, I think. Yeah, not just that. In the game, there's actually figurines that you can collect of the Yakuza characters. So you I'm, can collect like a little Haruka and a little. I haven't Kirin. seen those yet, but all right. Yeah, I'll get to those no, eventually. They announced that there, there's there's a collectible. You you can you can put a little you can you can make your apartment look like my apartment your in-game apartment that is yeah all right until next time if Sean does this or me and Sean and I don't you're invited if you want to 
We'll be doing nah. E3, we'll be doing E3 podcast next week about like every day, talking about the news or anything else is going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I don't need to join. I, don't, I I want a pure. I want my I want my pure video games to the max back. Yeah. Well, that ever like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to cut with anything. Yeah. All right. Until later.